0: You were called to make the world brighter, to run on the front lines, to cast a vision where it had not yet landed. You were not gifted to be a random burst of energy, but a consistent force that enables the world to hear beauty, see potential, and write stories in a way that points the world to Jesus. Provoke and inspire. All right. Well, let me get us started. So uh, welcome to the second Provoke and Inspire podcast. We are actually on location at our Provoke and Inspire seminar that we're having this evening. And uh, we have some of the usuals here. We have Chad Johnson and uh, David Pierce, but we also have a guest, Maddie Montgomery. Uh, so if you just want to introduce yourself and a little bit of background, and then we'll, we'll discuss some stuff.
1: Uh, yeah, my name is uh, Maddie Montgomery, and uh, <laughs> <What>? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the best. Yeah, Off to a good start. Uh, I am the uh, vocalist of the band for today, and um, and I love Jesus full time. Awesome. And, and your
0: hair is growing back. So you like that? Yes. Yes. It's looking good. Yes. Do you feel Thanks. more powerful? Chad, yeah, I Chad. Can feel my strength we're not going to do the hair. Chad does the hair, the hair. every time. And, yeah. and the best part about yeah. it yeah. is no one can actually see what we're talking about. Know, so it's terrible podcast oh, material. Sorry, see, this is this I is, is like... Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. 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 Well, anyway, so <laughs> we'll, we'll move right along. So... A big part of our heart uh, in come and live, and also in. It's funny I can't see even you because of the awkward mic setup, so it's a bit strange. I just see one eye of Maddie, which is a bit cyclops like. Yeah. Chad looks better when some of his face is covered. So, <laughs> wow. I, I didn't say all of your face. <laughs> right. uh, yeah, my wife doesn't receive that. Anymore. Yeah. Okay. We'll talk Actually, to her about she that was, afterwards. She texted that. To yeah, ben. that was a phoned-in question. <laughs> wow. So we'll put her on the air later. Anyway, so. Uh, Part of our heart is we want to celebrate what God is doing through artists. We believe that uh, a lot of what is modeled out there, a lot of what is held up as the example um, is, is music that's being released or shows that are being played. And, and this is okay in some degree, but what we want to celebrate is what God is doing through artists, how lives are being transformed. Um, so Maddie, I put you on the spot here a little bit, but maybe do you have a, a testimony, a recent story of, of something that God has been doing through
1: for today <laughs> yeah, and dude. through your life? We'd Lots love to hear them, it, man. We collect them. Good. Uh, Let's hear it. Okay. Um, I'm trying to choose. Okay. <clears throat> Here's a good one. I, um, met a, a girl. She came to our meet and v, uh, meet and greet for VIPs in, uh, New York city, like two weeks ago. And, um, we were going through and. Uh, and she said, Hey, you know, I just want you to know, uh, she handed, uh, handed us a, a, a letter that was folded up. And, and then she came up to me and she said, Hey, I just want you to know your music really inspires me. It's helped me a lot. I've, you know, I've, I've gone through a, a lot of hard, hard stuff in my life and your music has been a source of strength for me. And I said, thanks so much. Do you, do you follow Jesus? She said, well, no, I, I don't really believe in, in God or any of that stuff, but I, you know, your music is just encourages me to keep going. And, um, and, uh, it was like, as she said that the Holy spirit just opened the book of her heart and, and opened the story of her life to me. And, and I sort of looked at her and said, uh, you know, that the abuse you suffered was not at the hands of Jesus, but at the hands of people. Right. And she sort of stopped and got all tense and looked at me. And I said, I said, and, and the people that you went to for help, man, they didn't fail you. Uh, it, it wasn't God who failed you. It was the people that you ran to for help. And, um, uh, and I said, I, I, I need you to know that that the Bible says God is near to the brokenhearted, and all the years of your life that you spent being brokenhearted because you were abused and 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 uh, betrayed as a child, uh, those those aren't years that that you spent running away from God. Those were years that you spent being chased by God. He loves you, and he always has. And his heart broke when when injustice was done to you. And um, and uh, and and she said, I I was abused uh, when I was seven years old. I started getting sexually abused and. Uh, and, and raped by a family member, and so I went to my parents and I told them, and they told me to keep it quiet because we didn't want the police getting involved in our family. We didn't want the family to get uh, torn apart. So this abuse continued for years. Uh, and um, and she said, and and I, my conclusion was that God must not be real. He must there, there there can't be a God that would ever allow this to happen. And um and and so I just kind of grabbed her and, and pulled her in close, and I said, sweetheart, you know that this wasn't God. You've always known this wasn't God. And I said, uh, the only cure for, for the, that kind of evil and hatred and, and selfishness in, in the heart of a person is the blood of Jesus. Mm. And I said, you know, n- not only does that not negate the reality of the gospel that reinforces the need for the gospel. Uh, the fact that there are people in the world that, that can perpetrate this kind of evil against other people is, is proof of how desperately we need the blood of Jesus. Mm. And, uh, and, and so I said, um, I said, "I just want to pray for you," and I grabbed her and hugged her and prayed for her while she wept on my shoulder. And uh, and then afterwards, I kind of grabbed her by the hand and I said, "Are you ready? You want to give your life to Jesus today?" And she said, "Yeah, I do." So right there, I mean, there's 20 other people standing behind her waiting for autographs and stuff. And right mm-hmm. there, when she collected herself, we prayed together and, and she gave her life to Christ. And we she's been keeping me updated. She started going to a church in, in her hometown. And this she the the first message that she wrote me after afterwards, she said, "I, I just want you to know that I've reached out to my family." And I've forgiven them and reestablished wow. contact with them and uh and she said it feels so good to be free from the burden of hatred and unforgiveness. Right. It's just been it was beautiful, man. And and just a just a moment of, of clarity. God God just opens the the door if we're willing to right. walk through it, man. So it's good.
2: Yeah, it's great really.
1: Yeah, well, for me it's like
0: I mean again, you you God's given you a big platform and, and allowed you to be in front of a lot of people, but to me it's even in the level that we're at, when I play a show, the, the level of satisfaction is just so little compared to that moment. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's oh, just like, yeah. it's so cheap compared to that moment when you can see someone actually being transformed by by what yeah. God is doing through you. Yeah. Um, it's infectious. Yeah, it and, and just compared to another show, another excited crowd, another autograph, whatever, it's just so empty. Uh, and I think people desire that. I think that, that there's a false model that's put out there that said that what people want Um, Even what Christian artists want is what the world has, and it's just so cheap compared to what God has. That's right. I mean, David or Chad, do you guys have some recent examples of, or maybe even from this last tour or from Turkey, that of of God really, yeah, that point of of seeing life transformation as just being the greatest joy?
2: Well, I mean, just the recent tour that we did in Turkey, uh, because we've been planning a tour there for a year, but because of the, the political situation and the recent terrorist attacks, the whole thing was, was canceled. And so, and we had planned this thing for a year, but, but we, you know, and you were there, Chad, we just thought we have to go. And I mean, this was not without risk, because people thought maybe we we would be attacked, or the police would shut us down. Uh, But to go into these, these parks and do it. So we did these unplugged shows without permission. And thousands of people came to our shows, and we saw all these people raising their hands in Turkey and saying, I want to know Jesus. And in fact, so many people were interested that we ran out of Bibles and literature and everything, and that is like so much better than what just go, doing big shows in front of lots of people, seeing people touched by God. I mean, that is that is what makes it all worthwhile.
0: You know, I think, I think that... that you know, people desire to want to use their gifts for God and they want stories like that. They want transformation. But I think the idea of um, being relevant or how to do that in a, in a secular way or not in a secular way, but to a secular world, how do you do that? Because I think you fall on one end of the extreme. Either it's, it's, way, too, uh, it's way too using, you know, the, you're using Christian symbols or language that's not relevant to the secular world or you go too far in the other extreme and you don't end up saying anything at all. Um, so just as a general point of discussion, wh- what do you guys think? How can we be relevant? What is that line? And it's a difficult question, but what is that line between being clear, um, but also being relevant and using language that, that the secular world understands? What do you think, Matty?
1: Um, you know, when, when I think about the sort of methodology that Jesus had, I, I think uh, that his, and, and, and the, the I guess the one thing that is coming to mind immediately is um, the woman caught in adultery. Um, that he didn't come to this woman with, uh, you know, a five point sermon. He didn't come to her and uh, and and um, say, "Well, hey, read this book and then you know, send me an email and let me know what you thought about it or, or anything like that." He came to her in, in a dire situation, in a dire moment, and um, uh, and and he got down on her level and he saved her from that situation. He helped her in that situation, and um, uh, and and then. He hits her with something that if, if any pastor or any evangelist were to do this today, everybody would kick him out of the church because they'd think he was a heretic. He said, um, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And then he leaves. And that's the end of her story. And we don't know if she got radically saved and delivered from her perversion and, and started following Jesus. We don't know if she went right back to the life that she used to live. It doesn't matter because because the thing that matters is that the kingdom is being manifested that the love of God is being presented to people and they're being given the opportunity to respond to it. Right. Um and uh and, and so what uh what I think is is really powerful about that is um is that Jesus didn't wait until she repented to help her. Uh he didn't he didn't wait until well, you know, I know that these people are about to stone you to death but Are you going to turn away from your sin and follow me? If so, I'm going to help you. But if not, I don't have time for you. Uh, The the thing that he did was he presented her with help and he presented her with with love that was not conditional based upon her response or reaction to it. Uh, His love for her was something that she was going to get regardless of what she did uh, secondarily or regardless of what she did uh, afterwards. So, uh, you know, in, in terms of how we apply our gifting for the glory of God or or, or to to love or to serve people, I I think that we have to take their response almost out of the equation uh, in terms of our motivation. I don't preach to people because they might get saved. I preach to people because that's what I've been sent to do. Mm -hmm. And if they drag me out of the building and they beat me to death, well, praise God. You know, if they all fall on their faces and and, uh, with broken hearts and and they give their lives to Christ, praise God. You know, my, my task is to present them with the, the gospel of the kingdom and to give them the opportunity to respond right. to that. And uh and then what they do in response to that is between them and God. But right. you know, I, I think that what has happened in, in the church is that we have in our uh in our I think fleshly sort of perspective uh, that 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 we as preachers have so wanted to be affirmed that we tend to right uh downplay the cost of discipleship or yeah. or we tend to like Doll up the gospel to make it seem more palatable or exciting, so that people will come forward mm. at the end of our message or raise their hands or bow their heads or whatever. But well, yeah, you know, there's that. I, I think it, it, the important thing is that uh, is that we love these people right. regardless of their response.
0: And I think I think Jesus captures a brilliant balance there because he takes sin seriously, obviously, right? He says, right. "Go and sin no more." Yeah, um, but he's not surprised that she's a sinner either. And sometimes I feel like it, we don't get that balance right. We either think that we have to completely ignore the issue of sin because the world doesn't want to hear it, um, or we're so shocked and surprised that secular people act the way they do. And, yeah. and we we take all these moral stands, and, and there's no sense of mercy. There's no sense of connecting with them on their heart level. I mean, you look at the, the way the Pharisees were treating that woman, right? Their intent for her was death right. and, and to actually use her as a as bait yeah. to, tr- to trap Jesus. Um, Jesus, by contrast, is so incredibly merciful that it actually leads to life and, and so maybe one part of relevance is—is is it's not just moral issues, yeah. it's not just focusing on the, you know, are we so surprised that non-Christians act like non-Christians? I mean, it just—I mean, we struggle, I struggle. Instead, it should be mercy. Yeah, it should be mercy. It should be showing the heart of the, go- of, of the gospel.
2: I mean, if you if you look at Jesus, the only people that he talked to about their sin first were the Pharisees. Wow, the people on the street he showed his love to, then he told them about their sin. Yeah, but because they saw the love of Jesus then they wanted to give their sin right. you know so it's crazy to go to secular people and talk first about their sin they right. first need to see the broken heart of god and how he cares in his passion yeah. and then right. and this is the answer to that that death sentence in my life right. you know but, so you know really. jesus loved people but he still told them the truth right. and i think i think sometimes what you see a lot of today is is if people say anything at all it's about love without The truth, but if I believe people are in a fight, you know, going to be burned in in a building, and I don't tell them to escape, what kind of love is that? I mean, so, so yeah, I think people need to see the love of Jesus for sure. But part of the love of showing the love of Jesus is that there's consequences if you keep going down that road, you know. And you don't have to, man. You can escape. You know, you can be free. You don't have to. You don't have to be a slave anymore. Yeah. You know, and not give this weak weak, uh, toothless Jesus to people. People want something strong. You know, I want something strong. And I think we, that's what we need to show them is that Jesus is a a way to escape. You know, we can, we don't have to be slaves anymore.
0: I also feel like there's a, there is an aspect with all those are the deep kind of the core of the issue of relevance, but there is an idea of, um, how we communicate the words we use. I think Jesus was so brilliant in his time, you know, when he was, the, the, uh, the, symbols, the parables, the, the ideas, the analogies he's used were so, um, would have been so vivid for people in that time. So when he spoke of farming or fish or, you know, sowing and seeds, this would have made sense. And yet I still sometimes think we're guilty of this in the church where we, we take those symbols and we apply them to a modern context. And we wonder why, um, people aren't connecting like they were in Jesus's day. Maddie, do you, have you had any, any, what are your thoughts on the kinds of words or, or how do we communicate to a secular world without unhelpful maybe church language or baggage? Do you have any thoughts on that?
1: Uh yeah, you know, I, I think that um one of the most dangerous things we can ever do, one of the most dangerous things I, I have done in my in my life is is that I tried to crack the code for how to do ministry across the board. You know, and, and I thought, okay, I'm gonna do you know love and mercy and 20% judgment and wrath. And, you know, I'm going to come in with some jokes, but then I'm going to get serious. And then I'm going to ask if I can pray. And this is going to, right. And, and so I have this, I have a structure and I can write this book and put it alongside another 10,000 books in the Christian bookstore on how to do ministry. Uh, Yeah. Right. (laughs) And And well, and at the end of the day, like it all boils down to, you just hear Holy spirit and obey. Right. Uh, and you know, I, I was reminded, actually, Chad, when, when you were talking, I was reminded about a, a woman I met in Australia. And um, she was standing nearby because some of my friends were ministering to a friend of hers. And I, she's probably 65. And um, she had a bottle of whiskey under her arm. And I turned to her and I said, do you know Jesus loves you? And she kind of laughed it off and said, I hope so. And I said, no, do you know Jesus loves you? And what a, like, cliche statement. Right. You know, we put it on all of our signs and people have heard it a million times. But what happened is the Holy Spirit took those words and energized them in this lady's life and her face sort of changed. And she said, I, I, uh, I don't know. My life has just been so hard and I just lost my best friend a couple of weeks ago. And all I have left is this. And she pointed to the whiskey in her arm. And, uh, and I thought, okay, you know, I've got, there's Bible verses for that. There's stories and testimonies. There's, there's stuff that I've got weapons for this. And, um, and Holy Spirit didn't say anything to me. It's not like I had some kind of crazy word, but nothing came out. And all I could do is just hug this lady And I grab this tiny little woman, probably 4'11", maybe 100 pounds. And I grab her and I pull her in to this big hug in the middle of a mall. And at first, it's like stiff and awkward. And And then after about 10 seconds, I feel her begin to shake. And then she lets out this sob. And she begins to just weep into my shirt for probably 15 minutes. And I'm just holding her there. And I'm not. You know, praying some powerful prayer or preaching some, you know, life changing message to her. I'm not quoting Bible verses. I'm just holding this woman, and uh, and just asking the love of God to do what it does. And when she finally collected herself and wiped her face off, I said, "Do you want to give your life to Jesus today?" And she said, "Yes, I do." And and right there in the mall, we I held this lady's hands and and looked into her eyes while she um, she prayed to to ask Jesus to take control of her life and and to use her for His glory. And um, and I and I think, man, that that breaks all the rules. You know, I didn't right. I didn't lead her down the Romans road. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't an, an issue of um, uh, information or, or methodology. It was just uh, love being applied. And so I think, um, you know, that what happens when we when we try to use this the same verbiage that Jesus used two thousand years ago, or or even even to make it a a, a, a bit more. Maybe, maybe even a bit more common is, is we try to use some cool point we heard a cool preacher say one time. You know, oh this guy said this. Uh, it, what happens is we remove ourselves, what God, who God has made us from the equation, and and we have to allow the Holy Spirit to speak through us in that moment. And sometimes that's going to mean that He brings you know Bible stories to mind, or sometimes that's that means that He's going to bring points that that preachers have said to mind. But if we if all we do is is sort of rely on regurgitating things we heard one time. Uh, we're going to lose the the power and, and the presence of what what uh, something could be in in that moment if the Holy Spirit right. is leading.
0: Well, I mean, and that's it's so the tension of our faith, right? I mean, it's like God wants. I think He desires for us to be disciplined and to care and to want to prepare, and then and then one of our worst moments God shows up the most. You know, when we do everything wrong and say all the ra- all the wrong words, then He shows up, and it just yeah. is one of those. Weird tensions. Where does that lie? And I don't think we'll ever know. Like you said, there's never going to be a code-cracking moment where we're going to figure it out. Um, You know, it's Paul says men are not convinced by human wisdom, but by God's power. And I I know that. My life is a living example of that. It's
2: true. But I think that I can I can make it harder for him to use me sometimes because the language I use. You know, like in Amsterdam, uh, when I would was working in the whole anarchy scene there, and if I said to somebody, you know, the word of God is like a two-edged sword they go, so what? You know, that doesn't mean anything. So I'm praying. How do I communicate that to them? When you told that that woman, you know, Jesus loves you, the the revelation of that came on her. And this really,
0: in the end of the day, it's a vine and a branch thing, right? Like if we're connected, if if what we do for Jesus is not programmatic, if it's not because we have to or it's the right thing to do, but we have an intimate relationship with Jesus, like genuine day-to-day, and we have his love for people, then our words may not always be perfect, but right. I think the Holy spirit will be in us. Our love for people will be real. Uh, and then, and then the rest will figure it out. You know what I mean? Like I, I I'm yeah. so afraid of becoming a robotic Christian. And I think the way that happens is the, the vine and the branch, you become disconnected. You run on your ability, your, yeah. your charisma, your natural ability to communicate, whatever, eventually it withers. That's right. Um, but an intimate relationship with Jesus is going to be one that I think you're going to be safe. Because yeah. what people really want more than anything is, is yes, God's power, but also real love. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think you can do that apart from God. That's right. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's hard to love people that are, mm-hmm. I, I like, mm-hmm. let alone people that I've never met. And, mm-hmm. and, but you feel that, don't you? I mean, when you're in a situation and it's like, I mean, I was literally today, I was at a gas station and the guy working and I just felt overwhelmed by God's love for him. You know, and I, I had like 30 seconds with him. I'm like, what can I possibly do? And I just feel like it doesn't matter at that point if I'm relevant. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? Like exactly. it doesn't matter if I have a slogan right. when yeah. I have that kind of heart. Yeah. It's gonna it be right. It's gonna be right. It's gonna be right. Yeah. So so that's our I think that's our prayer, right? We all wanna be be relevant, but it can't be a program. And yep. and, and Jesus's love is always relevant. Yeah. And and if we if that's what we are fighting to have, then, then the world's gonna gonna be impacted by us for sure. So uh, yeah, so anyway, interesting discussion. We got to wrap things up because we actually got an in-person seminar in about an hour. Nice. And some of us haven't slept. Thanks, yeah. Maddie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, it's good. It's uh, you did well. You did. well With <laughs> yeah, yeah. we limited sleep, it, it was uh, mostly hour coherent. I
2: thought <laughs> Maddie did well. I thought Chad was well, average. Chad. Well,
1: yeah. I actually I mean, had is, a great sleep. What do you night night think? Sleep, Chad's is average good. is higher than my best. So yeah. that's. Well, oh. oh, oh, there wow. you go. Yeah. That's, that's nice. pretty big. Yeah. So maybe the question is whether or not
0: Jesus would have enjoyed Altoids. You know, with all his ministry, all the work that he did, Oof. I don't know. Because I think of all the modern
1: conveniences, I don't
0: know if that would have been the key one.
1: But yeah. before
0: we go down this road,
1: <laughs> he would have appreciated if the people in the crowd had out Yeah, him. <laughs> that's probably true. <laughs> I'm
0: glad we just like crash landed. This is going to be a this part below, out. Oh yeah, I'll edit this whole thing out. Yeah, Chad will great. not be on this pa- podcast. No. So, Sorry, no. Chad's going to be joining us eager. next <laughs> week. He's <laughs> actually on vacation right now in Maui. So there'll just be long 40-second pauses. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so that is uh, the uh, second edition of the Provoke and Inspire podcast. You can get all of the uh, podcasts on cominglive.com. And uh, I'm not sure what else I'm supposed to say that makes it sound lot, official. Super yeah, thanks yeah, it was Maddie. Yeah, rock great. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Hopefully we do this again. Peace.